You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, I'm the host of this wonderful podcast and joining me on the other line for our weekly show, a man who needs no introduction from Westside Indianapolis News and Forbes.com, Mr. Tony East. Tony, you are now verified. How do you feel? Pretentious, like a huge jerk. I'm not going to lie. It's a little strange, but it is cool. It is. Yeah, not, it, it, is means, cool. it means you're the official Tony East. You're no longer the Tony. The, the overlap between Rick Carlisle being the coach of the Pacers and me not very, being verified was about four hours. So, uh, Rick, thank you if you had anything to do with this. I don't know. I mean, do you know why you got verified? Do you have any idea? Uh, I do know why, but I don't want to talk about it on the show. Uh, okay well i'll ask you off the show then anyways moving on um so on today's podcast we're gonna do uh rick carlisle rick carlisle and more rick Rick carlisle talk um we did an emergency podcast on thursday afternoon posted friday you know it's our like last last show of the week so you listen to that one if you want to hear like our rambling initial thoughts but now we've taken some time we've thought about it we've read about what he said we've looked at his coaching resume a little more so now we have some more thought out thoughts that will probably change in you know a month or two but we have some more coherent thoughts that's what we're going to do um there's been two really great articles um written one by jay michael and andy star the other by bob kravitz at the athletic both where they interviewed uh rick carlisle i think uh, phone interviews look like and they just kind of talked with him and got some good quotes and some interesting information um that shed a light on everything that happened i think the most interesting thing for me from the start is just the fact that the pacers clearly wanted him and made an aggressive push for him yeah, it's Jay's reporting in the star is that the deal got done over a phone call, right? It was really quick and overnight. Uh, he the, the quote from Jay is, all it took was a phone call with Kevin Pritchard and an agreement materialized quickly with Carlisle citing his familiarity with the Pacers as being a big push there. And, you know, because he got hired first as an assistant and then came back as a head coach and now he's coming back again, right? That's a third time this place wanted him. He told, I think it was Jay, but also in the athletic piece that his daughter was born here in Indiana, right? So, that familiarity all played a big factor, which is really good. Like the, the, the Pacers market doesn't normally have a lure for, for stars. And obviously this is not a player, but you know, to have a lure for anyone is still a big deal that someone would be um, so impacted by the Pacer market to be, be wanting to come back so quickly and urgently. So I thought that was a really good, a uh, good bit of insight from Rick and from Jay to get it and huge for the Pacers that, 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 that helped him land him. Yeah. He's a star level coach. I mean, there are not that many NBA championship winning coaches in the league. He's one of them. So that, that is like, there's, there's some, I mean, obviously like a star player is worth way more than a star coach, but right. he's still in the top tier of coaches. Um, and I think I like, uh, I guess maybe it didn't surprise me now in hindsight, but Kevin Pritchard, it seems like when he, when he knows a deal is available and he wants it, he knows how to go after and get it. I mean, I think the Brogdon thing is something that kind of tried to similar pattern, right. It just kind of opened up randomly all of a sudden and he pulled the trigger really fast. And Carlisle's the same way, right? I think last Wednesday, it looked like Carlisle was going to, or I guess two Wednesdays ago now, Carlisle was going to be with the Mavs still. Then all of a sudden he wasn't, and then thought he was going to be Milwaukee, and then he wasn't, and then it was maybe Boston, and then he wasn't, and all of a sudden the Pacers got him. So um, Pritchard knew what it, you know, knew what he wanted, and went after it really, really quickly and easily. Same with Hayward last year, right? When KP sees that opening, he goes, he tried, "Yeah, that, that's true. Hayward's a good one." I mean, he didn't get that one, but he really goes for it when he sees that opening. Yeah, I, I encourage you all to read both Kravitz and Jay's reporting. We're just going to be reading quotes, which is always kind of boring, but I like sharing my thoughts on this kind of stuff. Uh, something else they both shared that he's had conversations already with a bunch of players on the roster. And I, I, I got to find this exact quote, but from the Kravitz article, uh, Carlisle said, I know what I've seen from afar and I've had some good conversations with several of the players. I think Brogdon is very important guy as a leader. 
uh, Domas he hasn't talked to because he's on the other side of the world. And he says, but after those conversations, I'm really encouraged. The tone is positive. It's what we need to hear at this point. So it seems like given that one, that Carlisle's had constructive conversations with the players, which Nate Bjorkman did that last year. And I really liked that. He traveled around America, even during COVID to talk to his players. And two, it seems like given what he said, uh, what, what that quote says that the players have buy-in on him as the hire, you know, I've been searching for public statements from the players on social media. We haven't seen any, but uh, it seems like they have some backing of him, which is always good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the kind of team I think that Carlisle loves. It's a team where they don't necessarily have um, a superstar, but they have a good roster that he can sort of build around and sort of um, shape in some ways, right? I think his best years in Dallas are probably like the po- like the kind of end of Dirk run where Dirk was really no longer the number one. He was kind of like just, you know, he was a good player, wasn't like an all-time great anymore. And before they got Luca, and where he sort of just like could throw together guys and you know mix and match and get the most out of like what were probably a lot of B and C level players. Pacers probably have a little better, like more more B than C level players, but this is like the roster that I think is is a kind of a good fit for that. And it seemed like he, that's what from his quote, something like something that, that interested him. Right, he saw he liked the roster. He didn't think it's like a rebuild. He thinks it's a team that has good players that are ready to compete as long as they stay healthy, which has been the issue for I don't know every year for the past decade. Let's call it. Yeah, our entire last segment here is going to be kind of about the roster and changes like that. But he had one quote to um, to Kravitz that I really liked when he was talking about the team. And he said, this team is a little similar to the Detroit team we took over in 2001, especially when you look at the age of the guys and where they are at this stage of their careers. We were able to take it from 32 inches to 50 inches to a couple of moves that really enhanced the roster. So it seems like he feels like this team, it, first of all, the moves part of that is really interesting to me. And we'll talk about that. What do you think again. he's speculating? Yeah, I, I know it's very interesting the, the way that that is phrased, but you know it seems like he really believes that there's a good core here to build to something really special with this Pacers team, and he really buys that. And another thing, kind of related to that, that I think was interesting is you know he Jay reported that he did speak to other teams about their coaching openings, but his mutual interest was strongest with the Pacers, right? So between that familiarity we talked about at the beginning and the roster that he likes or the core that he likes at least, uh, that's where the mutual interest for him was the strongest, and he's able to. You know, the, the command was huge from the Pacers, four years, 29 million. But it just seems like all the all the cards really lined up between a roster he liked as well. So, yeah, big, big time stuff for him to, to say that about the roster. Yeah, I thought another interesting part was just um, the the Pacers roster has, has kind of been lacking a voice, like a coach they listen to. Right. I think uh, uh, McMillan had gotten kind of stale by the 1920 season. Khalid Berkman just never had, had the ability to kind of grab the locker room. And this will be a real test for the Pacers at, at this point, too. I thought it was interesting kind of Kravitz said that in his article, but this is kind of like if they can't make Carlisle work, who's a championship-winning coach who has a track record of, you know, building things, you know, making good teams, winning 50 games or being close to that, being competitive, then at some point it's no longer the coach, it's the roster. Right. Yeah, th- this is the perfect coach to really assess your core, right? Because he's built the championships before. He's good at building a system or a style that fits at least – the best players on the team and he's gotten a lot out of some role players in the past. So if this team either like the, the, what I, the way I've described it to people in my personal life that I talked to about it, it's like, if, if, if you have a beef with Carlisle and you're one and you're a player on this team, it might just be like, you're out of here. You know what I mean? Like he's that level of coach and this team isn't good enough for you to be, be chafing with three straight coaches. So I think that that's kind of the level of acumen he's at. And when he was talking to Jay about ways the team can improve, he said, getting better on defense is a no-brainer way to improve. Indiana basketball fans want to see hard, unselfish play. The best way for a team to get better quickly is on defense. That's number one way. So uh, I'll be looking at how he can improve the defense. And if players are unreceptive to that, then, you know, the way he's kind of coached in the past and the way he got back with his deal, it's kind of going to be like, too bad. 
Yeah. Um, I think, I think the thing too, is they, they made a commitment to him that shows that they think he's going to be here like almost longer than some of the players, right? Most, nobody in the roster. Oh, thinks almost has a all con- of them, honestly. Well, we'll most see they get resigned, but like he has a contract now longer than any player on the roster currently. Right. So has yeah. got three years left technically. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, some, somebody got extended here or there. I'm not saying like, you know, this could all change in a year, but like at this moment, they basically have made more commitment in years to Carl than any player, which I think sort of shows that like, like Bjorkren, I mean, we didn't really know the years, but like that was a big deal. Like when we found out it was only like a one and one maybe or whatever, that was kind of surprising. I thought to both of us, we thought oh, at least he get like two years, but maybe a third option, which I don't think he really had. So it was interesting that like Carlisle, they like, and they put it out there right away too, right? Like, you know, yeah. a lot of times coaches, they won't tell their salaries, whatever it is. And I don't know if that's the team's choice or the agent, whatever it is, but like Carlos number was out there like before we did our podcast and we did a podcast like 10 minutes after we got it the came name, out basically. in the tweet announcing the hiring right because like we we yeah, were like, like pretty quick on doing it and it, we already knew the number when that mercy power which is usually rare for coaching stuff especially yeah it's extremely rare because we yeah. don't we didn't know we don't know a Bjorkren or what McMillan made we know the years kind of because we you know we kept getting extended and pushed but we didn't know any any of the dollar figures we still right. don't right so. yeah it's gonna say I don't think we still know yeah um what what other quotes there? Not a t- well, not a ton that I want to just just be rifling off. You know, I want to talk about the the roster quotes later, okay. and I want to get to something he said when he said getting better on defense is a no brainer way to improve. And like he's a really good coach on on both ends of the floor with getting guys to fit. But I think even he would admit that he's a little bit better of an offensive tactician than a defensive one. So I want to talk about assistant coaches actually that he could hire that he could bring in to improve his defense. You know, he had one really good defensive assistant with Dallas that we could talk about here and some other guys that they could look to bring in. So if you want to. Yeah, I, I also want to touch on the on the roster thing. So we'll do that in the, in the last segment. We'll take one quick break and talk about assistant coaches. Because first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by our wonderful friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is an amazing protein bar company that comes in nine delicious flavors, plus a ton of limited time offers, limited time flavors. Uh, you heard our favorite ones. It's the peanut butter brownie one, but they come in these nine flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something really for everyone. These are great if you're trying to like enjoy an afternoon snack or if it's somebody maintain or lose weight. You know, I'm a big, big fan of eating this kind of as my like mid-afternoon between lunch and dinner. I always need a little something. These are great. They're high in protein. They're not too many calories. Like the peanut butter brownie one is 18 grams of protein, 180 calories. They're great and they taste great. And right now, if you go to builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. We have absolutely no news on assistant coaches, so let's speculate wildly, Tony. <laughs> yes, don't you love that? Um, so yeah, we did. We have no info on who's coming back or anything. It was interesting last year because a lot of the assistants were really we knew a lot about them and who was really good and who was who was not as good. Well, we thought they'd bring good. all the assistants back in the year before. We thought we'd just change the coach, but no. Yeah. So they only brought back Bano last year, and now Bano's with the Pistons. Um, so he's unavailable to come back, right? So I mean, I suppose they could they could reacquire some of their guys who went to Philly if they were interested. Uh, Dan Burke would be a nice little. Bring Dan Burke worked with Carlisle before. Yes, but, he did, um, and a. As he was assistant coach when he was a head coach back then. That is a wild speculation. I'm not, none of this is reporting no. or discussing. Any I, I actually, I think Burke and I'm assuming Burke Carl crossed over as a coach at the page at the same time in the late 90s. And then also. Oh, yeah, again, they would have been assistants at the same time. Right. So there's they, they do have a history. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know what Burke's contract is or how it works. You know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to guess that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I can I throw a name, though, that I mean, that really isn't like any name, but it's just been something that's been, like said before. Oh, sure. 
Like, right. I mean, we've heard that Alex Jefferson wants to get back into coaching. Or get into I think coaching. he talked about it on setting the pace. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I, I, say, I saw on, a quote on that on Twitter, but I have not listened yet. Yes, on Alex Golden's podcast, he said that, I think. And I think he said it before. It's Alex has been on top of that. So, I just, I mean, he's a former pacer. I'm not even sure how he would fit. I don't even know his Carlisle, but, he, I mean, it is something that could be uh, interesting because it is, you know, usually that third or fourth season, it's usually a former player or somebody giving their first start, right? That's usually what that last right. spot is. And Jefferson could be a decent fit. He knows the players here. He, I think he played with both centers, right? I want to say he hit yeah him. he played with um he definitely yeah he played with turner and bonus yes yeah a little bit at least so. 17 18 for sure yeah so yeah that could be interesting at least that is an interesting idea uh i like that name you know another former player that has expressed interest in getting back into working for a team is damien wilkins remember his veteran year that that first yes. year we were covering the team again i don't know if these guys are are being pursued at all i uh, remember jay michael reported during the season that they they tapped david west for for potential roles with the team that could be interesting. that would probably is he want to come back? Isn't that ending wasn't great, right? I'm not gonna lie, I have no idea. I feel like so if I remember right, that ending didn't go because he didn't like the way Hibbert was treated. Um, oh, that's certain. and he said this publicly. He said it publicly. It's not. I mean, I remember reading this yeah. in like a newspaper um, because he didn't like right because Hibbert kind of got pushed out because remember West could have opted into eleven million dollars and opted out and took less money to go to Golden State, which was a kind of a weird thing or a big right. deal. It's because it's you know left a lot of money on the table. Um, do you think any of the assistant officials currently have stay? I mean, I know. Um, I have one name I have specifically targeted of the current staff, but it's just guessing again. Okay, give me the name. You know, the the Greg Foster spat. I don't know if Greg Foster has any relationship with Carla, but that makes me think he's less likely to be back of the like front assistants, right? Which was uh, him and Caleb Canales and Bano last year. Caleb Canales is the guy that I think could. Yeah, be. right. He's the one that's like, they love him internally, right? That he could be a coach someday. He was with Chad and KP for a, for a while in Portland. Uh, and he was, you know, video coordinator, moved all the way up to assistant coach. He was the interim coach. He coached summer league, right? He's done a lot. He's a pretty great experience. He was under Terry Stotts for a real long time. And Adam, he worked for the Dallas Mavericks from 2013 to 2018, where Rick Carlisle was the head coach at the time. So has a Carlisle connection for a half decade, has really good presence around the league. And of course, worked for the Pacers literally last year. So he's a name I would keep an eye on returning just because he has that both the connection to the Pacers and the connection to Carlisle. I, I'm assuming their um, their connection is strong if you worked for him for for six years right after the title. Yeah, it seems like that would be a good fit. That was he's been he's somebody the team really likes internally, right? He's like one of their. I don't know. There are specific thoughts on him, but he he's a he's a good coach. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that. I mean, the thought he could be a head coach someday in the league. That's what right. Right. That's like the kind of rumor out there, I guess. Another guy I have just kind of randomly uh, pulled out is. And another assistant from the Minnesota Timberwolves last year, who's really popular, David Vanterpool. Damian Lillard loves this guy as, as a head coaching candidate. He, he, you know, everybody was thinking he would get the Timberwolves job when they fired Ryan Saunders midseason. Uh, he coached, or he was an assistant with Portland from 2012 to 2019. And then the Timberwolves, as the associate head coach, the last two seasons, uh, the, the Timberwolves announced their assistant staff, and he is not one of the guys coming back next year. He is really good uh, as, a, as an assistant coach. He'd be a great fit, although I'm sure he's looking for head coaching job, and that's just me speculating on on really popular assistants who are available. Uh, I'm assuming the assistant who's the guy that quit with the Mavs today. That's who I was going to bring up too, Jamal Mosley. And you know why I like Jamal Mosley's name a lot. So let's back up before we, again wildly speculating. Jamal Mosley's name is he's a really popular, right? Apparently, he was a really high candidate for the Mavs job itself before Jason Kidd got it. And then I think it was Mark Stein of the New York Times today reporting that Mosley's in consideration for the Orlando Magic job. And I think it was the Wizards. Wizards. I forget. Wizards, yeah, Wizards Magic. Okay, the Wizards and Magic. Yeah, so he is really highly sought after. 
Uh, he was with the Mavs for five, six years uh, coming into this past season. The reason I single him out more than the rest of the Mavs assistants, and we'll run through those as well, is because he was the defensive coordinator from 2018 onward. And we mentioned last segment that, you know, Carlisle, I, I think would admit this. I don't know. I want to talk to him first. But I think he's better as an offensive tactician than a defensive one. So Mosley, obviously, that relationship is, is pretty strong if he's been there for for five or six years with Dallas and he's got the defensive side strong. So if their relationship is good and the Pacers can pull him in, that'd be huge. That said, I think Mosley would like an assistant head coaching title. Maybe the Pacers can give it to him, but he, he is talented as well and be a, a, a solid name if they could pull him in. Yeah. I, I thought there was an issue between him and Carlisle because for a while I felt like Mosley was going to come to head coach and there's undermining Carlisle. Yeah. You know? maybe. Wasn't that I one of the, so, though. I mean, the whole Dallas and this was so leaking so many stuff was flying everywhere and whatnot. Like who knows what's actually yeah. real and whatnot. I mean, never literally it's Jason um, but like basically Carl got kid that job, right? I mean, he basically <laughs> vouched like say yeah, he's a hired kid. Something. Yeah, that was really well, weird. Well, that and the guy they hired actually liked him, but yeah. Yeah, but it was it isn't like he literally said, Oh, he should hire some kid, and that happened like what six days later, a week later. Yeah, I got another former Pacers player for you. Okay, give me that one. Darrell Armstrong. You know why I say Darrell Armstrong? I do not besides know. that he paid for the Pacers. He was an a Mavs assistant coach starting from 2008, 2009. So he worked for Carlisle for a very long time. I think that means they started at the same time. Uh, and he was a part of their championship team. So they, their relationship runs really far back. And again, he was a player for the Pacers in the 2006-2007 season. Um, so I'm assuming he could be a good fit as well. And then another Mavs assistant who was with Carlisle for a long time and was an assistant on the championship team's name is Mike Weinar. Uh, he was there for a long time. He was a, he was a responsible for opponent preparation, mostly, according to the Mavs official website. So another good fit. A lot of good fits there. Yeah, I think this will be interesting to see what how it shakes out. What do you think is the, is like the, kind of the timeline for uh... – an assistant coach, like hiring. You think they'll be all hired um, before the draft? I don't agency? know. When did the Pacers announce their assistant coaches last year? I'll look it up while you talk. I have no idea. I mean, that is a, <laughs> that is a fantastic question that I was going to ask you because you're just on top of it more than I am. Um, um, yeah, so I think it takes like a couple weeks, uh, a while. Yeah, because uh, so it's like right. November 13th-ish is when okay, they announced. hired. And that's so when that they was... announced they hired Canales and Greg Foster. So that's about a month after they hired yeah, Walker. I mean, you got, you got to think too, right? Sometimes some of the, like, it could be somebody in the playoffs currently right now could become an assistant somewhere else, right? I mean, that, right. like, just move a lot just because they move. I mean, it's not like anything to do with, because like you're, maybe you're the fourth assistant, you want to be the third assistant somewhere else or whatever, you know what I mean? Move your way up on the, on the, right. on the, the podium. Podium. So, Tyler I mean, Marsh, former Mad Ants assistant, still has Pacers assistant coach in his bio. Uh, he was one of the guys. Him and Cabertini both got like a little bit bigger roles when uh, Bill Bano left midseason. So there's a chance that they say Tyler Marsh's career and Bjorkren's career have been really similar in terms of stops along the way. So I would not be shocked if he went back to Toronto. But Genie and his ties to Indiana make him another candidate as well. Yeah. Have we heard anything about Bjorkren yet? We don't, besides the Team Canada stuff? Uh, no, I don't think he's doing media. I don't think they need him to. So I haven't heard anything from him or about him. No, I just mean like you think, I mean, I assume we assume he's going to end up being the assistant in Toronto again, right? Oh, I am just, I would be guessing, but yes, I would imagine. Right. I mean, that's what I mean. That's what I mean by, by I don't mean like interviews. I mean, like, do we just, is he going to take a year off? Cause he's getting paid, right? I assume he, I mean, so. Yeah, like I guess he, he could. No, he might. I mean, that's what a lot of men, right? Take a year off. Right. That, you know, and then go back in and be an assistant for Toronto next year. I mean, probably will never get another shot at being a coach, unfortunately, which is disappointing for him. But um, yeah. I mean, I think he'll be in the league. I mean, he's a very, clearly a very good number two to Nick Nurse that championship year. You got anybody else that, that you can think of? No, I mean, this assistant thing. I mean, there's probably a ton of names we're not thinking of the hire. I mean, like, there's yeah, like there's names. ton. Like, think of every team that fired their coach this offseason, right? Orlando and Boston. And there's already been shakeup in, in Brooklyn with Ime Udoka getting pulled. Like, they have a really talented assistant staff and, and the Pelicans and stuff. Like, all the assistants from those teams 
have some sort of tie to their head coach, first of all, and were hired by that org, like because the new coach could come in and shake up the assistant staff, like all those guys could in theory be available. And I don't know all those guys. I like a few of the Orlando assistants, but yeah, I'll, you know, it, it's just purely guessing. I'm just thinking of guys with ties to the Pacers or ties to Carlisle that could make some sense. Like Canales, his ties are like perfect for a guy who in theory discusses a potential assistant, right? Yeah, so that's, and the, that's why we didn't. Think and the thing with Carlisle too is because he has security in the job, he's probably going to hire guys who are either trying to become head coaches somewhere else. Like you're not, you're not going to have a Nate McMillan in that situation, right? Where like when right. he was hired, it was kind of like thought, oh, he's hired as the, you know, Takeover potential guy. replacement for Lloyd Pierce. Right. You're not going to have that now. You're going to have some younger guys or somebody older who wants to be an assistant forever kind of thing and not like somebody that's trying to like compete for the job per se. So we skipped over a big part of this discussion accidentally, but I mean, I, what, what would you like as a viewer, what should Carlisle want from his assistants, right? Like that's kind of the important part of this we skipped over. And I talked about it with Mosley a little bit that the, the defense is strong to me, but he's like a more firm head coach, I guess is the way I'll put it now. Uh, so maybe one of some of some more, some more soft-spoken guys are really strong communicators. Who players, are, former yeah. players. Will help yeah. Former players. That's a great way to put David it. David West, you know, I think Andrew is. Andrew Poole, former Washington Wizards player. That's, that's another I mean, connection for him and in his cap. So David West, just in general, as a name was always like one of the more respected players. in the like I think he's what held that yeah. team together through those years when they were really, really good, <laughs> frankly. And so, I mean, I just, he, it was always carries a lot of weight. I feel like he's just, as like people listen to him. Yeah, that'd be a good one as well. But former players, that's a good way to put it. I would like that is the Greg Foster who he glossed over. And I don't mean that in a negative way to him. He could totally be back, right? He's well respected around the league. Atlanta players rave about him. So he could be back and he's a former player as well. I just I don't know as much about him. He also played for the Pacers, right? So there I guess there is a little bit more in his cap than I was giving him credit for. I just think that spat with Goga was was not great for his chance no. of returning since he was hired under Bjorkren. But we'll see. Um yeah, like someone like him could be a good one as well, just because of his former playing experience. And I like Al Jefferson as well, just because they have two young big men who could who could always stand to learn from a guy with some old school post moves who has they have three really recent men, ties to the organization as well. They have three young big men technically. Yes, exactly. They do. <laughs> that's a good that's a good segue for this. Uh, all right, let's do this. The roster. <laughs> let's take one quick break and then we'll talk roster because I have I have a lot of thoughts. I think this is the most important thing with Carlisle is the roster. Um, but first, today's Lockdown Patriots podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We have the baseball season in full swing. We are in the heart of the NHL. I think we're in the NHL uh, finals. We're close to an NBA final soon enough. And BetOnline.ag is the place to go for all the latest news, odds, and info on all those sports, the big four, as well as UFC and MMA. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop mobile device. Check out all the great news, sign up most and contest information. Don't send signs anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams make their playoff runs. Head to the website today and sign up for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. Will you read that quote from Carlisle about the roster again? Or change Which one? There was the roster changes one that was interesting. The changes one that was interesting. Oh, about the Detroit and the record change. Uh, wasn't there one where he's like, "There's a lot of interesting talent." I'm, you, you read it la- the first. Wow, <laughs> Adam, very well prepared for the. You read it the first interview. segment. You read it to me, and then we we stopped talking about <laughs> there's it. There's a couple. Want... There's a couple roster ones I wanted to read. So okay, read okay, a bunch read of me one of your roster ones. You can one. tell me which one I got. Okay. Okay. Here's one from that he, he quoted to Bob Kravitz in the Athletic. He said, Carlisle about the Pacers, the way they put together their roster jives with how I want to coach the game. I like their depth, 
like the skilled, unselfish players who play the game the right way and move the ball, this team is a little similar to the Detroit team we took over in 2001, especially when you look at the age of the guys and where they are at this stage of their careers. We were able to take it from 32 wins to 50 with just a couple of moves that really enhanced the roster. Is that the yeah, that's, that's, that's the quote. Okay. Because the last line of that. The that's the big one. In, right? The couple of moves is interesting. So He said, this team is similar to the team in Detroit where we made a couple of moves that really enhanced the roster in back-to-back sentences if you take out some fluff words there. So yeah, it's very interesting to me. Yeah, so here's here's where the moves, sorry, are possible. Uh, there's obviously, there's the McDermott-McConnell uh, situation of do, who they resign. They have a mid-level exception, right? If they depend where the cap ends up and who they sign and don't sign. Uh, they could use. They've got the Aaron Holiday question of do they try to trade him? Do they keep him? Was still there? And obviously, the biggest question is they've got two centers. What do they do? Yeah, the big the center one's going to be the big thing forever. And I I don't buy the the stuff about like oh he wouldn't post up Porzingis Sabonis is it going to fit like no no I, like Sabonis plays on the perimeter more than in the post even though he is like a good post player. I always talk about Carlisle like watching him post up younger players like. That's not a problem. To Carlisle me, but... picks up. He plays to the players, not to the. What, he doesn't have a certain scheme he runs. He's run different things every like three or four years based on the talent he has. If that's right, like obviously he's not just going to be like, oh, we have to play this way. He's like, no, we've got these players that play this way. How do I maximize what they do well? Right. Can I tell you another quote from him before we really dive in here? That yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah, this is in the J. Michael Indy Star piece from their phone conversation. It said. Carlisle to J. Michael. He said, I'm not looking to be a GM. I've built a career on coaching the game. It's what I love to do. I love working with hardworking, creative people. I really get the sense that that's what we have here. So uh, not looking to get too roster involved, but it's interesting that he has opinions on potentially a few moves, making them a lot better, which is interesting. What? But I, I, I think the move thing could also be just the way he plays guys. Right. Right. right? right. Like, could we staggering the bigs more? Sta- staggering as thing where we're supposed to minutes come down from 36 and 35 last year to like 32 where they should be because uh, no like 38 last year right no it ended up i looked it up earlier today when i did, I did my locker room it ended up he ended up finishing at oh. like not as high as we thought it was it was 38 at one point but i think he finished i'll pull it up real quick, like 35.8 was um, oh wow you're right 36 right. on the dot yeah 36 on the dot and 34 point the year before so he ended up a little bit lower but like he should really be at 32 right i mean yeah. that's like what a what a Jokic play last year. I'm gonna look that up because like that's kind of like the gold standard for center, right? Yep. Jokic, hold on. I know it's great. Me typing and looking up stats while we talk. <laughs> uh, Jokic well, played 30, 34.6, so about nearly a minute and a half less. So that's where probably Spona should be at, if not below that. Some of the stars are minutes are interesting because like sometimes their teams just up so much they don't play the fourth quarter. But yeah, you know what what would be maximizing his roster to me because that that's where I think this discussion goes. You know, he's he's talked about another one. Uh, in the athletic article, he said, I like the roster. I really do. I think there's an opportunity to improve. There was a strong mutual interest. I've known KP a long time, and he seemed to have a lot of the same views of the game that I do. So what are his views of the game that would potentially be tweaked from the Pacers? It's like the, the, the center question is perennial, but, you know, he's been really good with the Mavs at getting stuff out of guards and, like, sweet shooting mid-range guys with Dirk, and also Dirk's a big, and he got a lot out of Tyson Chandler defensively, and even later in the Kravitz article, he talked about, with improving their defense, you know, how good Turner is and how Turner missing 27 games. Like that really hurts a lot. He also said that's the best rim protector in the game, which I thought was really interesting about miles. But of course he's going to say that about his own player, but you know, what would he be trying to maximize? And I think that that rotation kind of stuff could be interesting, right? He tweaked Boban into the rotation in the playoffs, right? So maybe it is staggering the bigs. 
maybe it's, you know, having like, like Bjorkren last year did a lot of like hockey style subs, right? Like the full bench was in a lot at the end of the first quarter and beginning of the second quarter. Like maybe Rick doesn't do that as much. He certainly didn't do that with Dallas. Maybe it's something that simple, like just slightly tweaking something about the roster, not the roster itself that makes it better because it's really hard to speculate. Like what is he, he, he said he still has to watch all this film to like catch up to speed of this team. Like, what is he going to see and change? I can't know that to just guess that he'll be like, oh, I hate this player. I want to move him. But I can't speculate on, okay, maybe he is like a, a more of a rotation with overlap of starters and bench, or maybe he wants more of this guy without this guy. Like that that's the kind of stuff I think that makes more sense in this discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think also look at, go back his last like six seasons. He's he's a guy who likes guys to shoot threes. I mean, he's a, I mean his teams are always in the top 10, even top, I think top five in the loop of years and three-point attempts per game. And that's even last year where they trashed you more threes. They only finished the year 18th in three-point attempts. Now, that's great. The league has like uh, – That is false. No, it's what – might I get the wrong year on B-ball, Ralph? They were sixth in three-point attempts per game last year. Why am I – Why They say, were 18th in percentage. This says – oh, B-ball has – says 18 three-point attempts, but okay. I mean, you might be I, – I, the, the B-ball might be wrong. It's fine. That's what it, this is what it says. Um, I promise I was looking at the stat. Uh, but still, that's something that they he likes to do, and I assume the Pacers are going to try to – probably have Turner taking just like way more threes if they keep him or Sabonis taking, we still get better at three-point percentage as well. They're second in three-point attempts last year when they had the best offense ever. And I don't want to oh, just be wait, like- Are you re- talking about the Pacers or Dallas last year? Dallas. Pacers last year were 18th. Pacers. Oh, I'm sorry. I, that's I'm why you threw me out. Yes. The Pacers were 18th last year. There we go. And that's what I mean is even when they were shooting more threes last year, they still were not shooting them at, at a ridiculous high, high, high yeah. rate where Dallas was taking like 40 a game or if not more. Well, something I wanted to talk about with Dallas is like, I talked about this with McMillan sometimes is like McMillan definitely like suppressed is the wrong word, but like he, he didn't encourage threes right with the roster he had, but I always was a little more defensive of him in that way because they didn't have that many shooters. Like Bojan definitely should have shot more, but like Collison definitely couldn't create his own shot and took like a thousand years to wind up. And but he was, a, great was not a good shooter. shooter. He should have got every shot for him. Collison was like located <laughs> the best shooter in the franchise the last five years. So, so bonus wasn't a good shooter when McMillan was the coach. Like, Warren, he got a lot out of too, but like yeah, Vic, well, Vic got a hot streak and then wasn't a good shooter. Like a lot of the players in that team just shouldn't have been guys shooting yeah, high volume. This is a bonus issue was they should have been developing a three point shot from the beginning versus this, just this right. last year, basically. Like they should have, he so should have taken his amount of threes two years ago. Right. So when I look at Dallas taking a bunch of threes, it's like Maxi Kleba, who shot really well from deep 41%, and Jalen Brunson shot over 40%. And then like their, their big attempt guys were Doncic, who was not a good three point shooter last year. 35% is good, I guess. Uh, on his volume 39 percent seven and a half attempts per game from hardaway porzingis shot six a game at 38 percent run like he in a way that even bjorkren we thought bjorkren would be better about this he like he's slightly above average guys take a lot like mcdermott took a lot there even in, in his short amount of time right so i think guys that are like slightly above average three-point shooters could get a, a, an enhanced look from him in, in ways that they have in past seasons or get more opportunities to get movement looks from deep which i think will be interesting yeah, I think part of it too is is for another trouble he had, he had to break the Pacers like because they were so used to just like taking the open two point shot under McMillan that it was like yeah. you, it wasn't going to change overnight. Even as much as you said well, it. Well, remember it, though in the preseason they were taking like forty threes a game. And we're all like, wow, yeah, but, Bjorkren's got him chucking, and then that didn't. Stay. Yeah, but when I realize that things change when you, when stuff becomes like where it matters, where like if you're right. in a tight game, you just go with what you're comfortable with. You don't necessarily go with what what you like the the efficient shot. Um, I do think with Carlisle the question will be. Like with somebody like Turner, for example, right? If Turner like isn't taking as many threes, do they just tell say Turner you can't be out there? Like you have to take the three, you can't be out there in some way. Like, does he have that kind of ability? Because he's been a long enough coach, he's like seen how he can motivate players that he'd like be willing to do that at times, right? Or if a guy's not, you know, whatever doing something that like 
he just shouldn't be doing that. Does he like have the ability to be like, no, you're sitting on the bench the rest of the game. Like this is what happens. You don't, <laughs> you don't listen kind of thing, which is tough. It's tough. It's hard to do. I mean, that even the best coaches can't really do it. I feel like Popovich right. is probably the only one that has that like ability. Cause we even saw in the playoffs this year, we're like, Ben Simmons probably should have been on the bench at some point when he wasn't shooting in the fourth quarters anymore, but it's hard to do that with your, with one of your, you know, supposed starters, best players. Like it's just hard even for Doc right. Rivers. who was, you know, championship winning coach, great resume, large contract, everything. I think he has the right guy shooting threes too. To, I just, I don't want to harp on three point shooting too much because it's no, you can go on other stuff. The but he, he had the right guy shooting a lot of threes, which I think will matter for the Pacers as well. But yeah, you know, I think as we as we tie in what he can do with the roster, if he's talking about tweaks ever so slightly or like comparing them to a team that was tweaked and then got a lot better is like, maybe that's just, a, what did the Pistons actually change that season? I want to look that up as well. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it could just be subtle team internal changes beyond external changes, but he did mention how KP could help them. So um, taking them from 32 to 50 is certainly interesting. It's, I think that was when they made it. So they're, they didn't get uh, Rasheed Walls to 0304. Correct. Um, but looks like I don't. I actually think the 01 roster had just Ben Wallace of like their main guys. Of their main guys, yeah. It right, looks like right, it. Right, and then 0102 is when you see Billups show up eventually, right? No. Uh, no, he was there after that. So they drafted Tayshawn somewhere in either by 0203 maybe, because Tayshawn was the youngest player on the team. Yeah, they drafted Tayshawn in 02. Um, yeah, yeah. Then Billups was about 203 when Billups shows up. And then Richard Hamilton's also on that roster. So that it came along in those years. And then obviously when you added Rashid, that kind of like made them amazing. Drafting Tayshawn two years later was super helpful as well. Yeah, that draft um, was a weird. Uh, it is. That, well, yeah, it's not. There was like, I can't remember it now. But, but Tayshawn Prince going to them was like a big deal because he fell to them. He wasn't supposed, he should have gone right. a lot higher at the time. Yeah, they traded for a bunch of first-round picks, and they, it was a lot of slight tweaks. They actually waived David Vanterpool, a coach we just talked about, right after they hired Carlisle. Yeah, you look through some of these trades, they just made a lot of draft pick stuff. They drafted the Meadow Core, Rodney White. Uh, they traded a first and a protected future first for another first. Uh, then in the next season, they got Cliff Robinson. Uh, they traded a pick for some European guy who never played in the NBA. Uh, they traded for John Barry. They signed Victor Alexander and Damon Jones, and then they drafted Tayshawn Prince the next summer. So it was like a slower buildup, but they did go up to 50 wins pretty quickly. Yeah, if I remember right, because we did this during the then the pandemic, we did like some draft stuff. The Pacers were uh, Tayshawn Prince, like they thought he would go that them at like 14 or 15 that draft. They passed him, he fell at 22 to them, and yeah, the rest is history. Tayshawn Prince years I later think Cliff probably. Robinson was the big the biggest transaction of what we referred to because he ended up starting 80 games for them, scoring 15 points a game, and being a pretty good player. Shot 38 percent from. Yeah, but I mean, they ultimately over time were able to get Billups and Hamilton. So that yeah, I'm just saying that, that when of, he references going from. 32 to 50 wins. I think that's the biggest transaction it looks like in that process. Gotcha. Yeah. Just I mean, someone it, as good as Cliff Robinson, right? That's how he sees the Pacers. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think if you ask anybody in like, Oh, one, I don't think anybody would have thought the Pistons would have been a team. that was going to win a championship three years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and be it, in two finals, two other finals. Yeah. I mean, well, they were probably, I mean, they were the best, were they the best in like Eastern conference team. They're like a kind of a mini dynasty in the, right. in the 2000s. I mean, you know, they lost to like the Spurs and the Lakers basically. Right, and they lost to the Spurs and lost to LeBron a bunch. Um, but like they were amazing that whole five year run. Yeah, so we still don't have news on the exact timing of the Carlisle presser, but that is when we will tie up our thoughts on him on this podcast. Is whatever he says in his introductory press conference and whatever KP says, right? That's going to be important stuff. And we'll move back on to right. It's almost July, and that's the month of the draft and the month of free agency. So getting back to 
player recaps and free agency and all the fun draft stuff. I, I finally finished a 30 player big board, so I can finally talk better about the draft. So uh, that's what we'll be focusing on the rest of this week. Yeah. And the 13th pick, I think is uh, we did, we did it on our last show and talked about the draft probably last week, but there's, there's a real chance to get someone there. Like it's, it's not, it's, there are a lot more guys that have gone 13 that have been good in the league than gone like 18 or 20 in the past. I quite like a lot of my top 13. I quite like a lot of my top 16. I'm just glad you're going to be optimistic about this year's draft because sometimes you're not. I have not been optimistic about many of recent drafts. Yeah, this one you seem to be more, 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 you know. I kind of liked last year's, but they picked a center, which we did not, or two years ago. Yeah, last year they center, which we did not expect. So, yeah, I, I like a lot more guys this year than normal. So, that well, they're in a, like I said, they're in a spot where, like, you can, like, you make the right pick at that spot, you can get somebody good. Yeah. A lot of guys are 13 that have been good. 18 to 20 gets a lot harder. It just does. It's like very, you do the fast travel after 15 in most drafts. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we'll have uh, four more shows this week. Tony and I will be doing the one tomorrow together, and then we'll have uh, some player recaps to end the week out. I guess that we don't know if there's more breakings of some kind. Hopefully, there'll be a Carlisle presser that we'll be able to talk about at some point, but there shouldn't be any other like crazy news because we're just kind of cruising to the draft basically i mean we'll get a bunch of information about like who's working out and whatnot but we're you know almost to an nba finals matchup we're probably about a week away from that and then we'll have the finals and then be in the offseason so it'll be a fun time on this podcast you got anything else i do not um i, I don't <laughs> we'll see what what anything is said in any carlisle presser but uh the theme i didn't i always have themes for our player recap week this week it's because free agency is a month away and it's about to be july which is transaction month we'll be Talking about that, it's free agent week. So Jakar Sampson, TJ McConnell, Doug McDermott will break them all down and talk about their free agency because that's a big part of their season and their summer. I'd say you did have a theme last week, but then it, it went to crap. It did, it did. It was supposed to be youth week, and then we did Cassius, and they're like, now nah, we hired Rick Carlisle. Yeah, so that's... Got to move O'Shea back a few weeks. It's fine, it's fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, as always, you can follow this podcast at Lockdown Pages on Twitter. You can follow me at Free Madden 5, Tony at Teased NBA. That is all for his Lockdown Pages podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.